Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites! It is episode 176. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I am Francis in the captain's chair somehow... Uh, beyond my understanding, I went to the bathroom and I came back and the boy said, oh, by the way, you're captaining this episode. Gee, thanks. Well, I mean, we're, we're slaves to our direction and it, you were set on the Trello as the captain. So, therefore... Oh, God. Yeah, but I didn't have nothing to do with that. But anyway, here we are. But we were noticing, this is episode 176 and we're going to talk about the election of 1876. There's no better pointer to us making the right decision than that, I think. Well, we've concluded our uh, our series on treaties and agreements and international hoo-ha stuff. So it was time to get back to U.S. history for a history episode. Well, that's a good palate cleanse, you know, as, as well. Well, we've do. talked about this particular event in history. You know, we, we've done several election episodes, and we point to this as one of the first modern... Not quite constitutional crisis elections. It was close. But it was was pretty damn damn close. close. It was close. Which is ironic to me because it followed the Constitution perfectly. But yet that seems to be a problem. because, And and really it is because the way the the setup is done, um, it's kind of goofy that it can happen this way. But in all of the elections we've had, it's really only happened a few times. That's correct, and uh, and in modern times, it's happened, you know, essentially twice. Uh, Two thousand is the one they. Well, no, not like this. It's never happened like this. Well, that's kind of where I was going. Is that everybody says that? Wait, when in two thousand, especially, wait a minute, this should never happen. The Constitution is broke. Let's fix it. I'm saying. Boys and girls, you guys don't know what broke almost was unless you look back to 1876. Well, and even then, it wasn't broken. Correct. It was that people didn't like. That that's it allowed it. Exactly my point. That's and right. That's you, the problem. If you don't get the answer you like, you whine and cry. Well, I, but now, to sooner be fair, or later though, there must be one winner. Yeah. So let, let's let, yes, let's, let's set the backdrop. So, yeah, because these Highlander boys, there can only be one, right? So 1876, Grant is completing his second term, and we've talked about Grant's presidency um, a bit. So it's uneven. There are some accomplishments. There's the suppression of the Klan, there's some stability, um, the, the the amendments are complete and in place, but there's some corruption and there's, uh-huh. some, there's and he, some mess. And yet Grant was still amazingly popular yeah. uh, at this time. Grant could have easily, even in under the shadow of all the crap that had gone on, he could have easily won that third term. That's been He, he angled for it. Yeah, that's he right. He wanted it. He was going to go ahead and do it and break the precedent. But there was still a pretty strong feeling amongst the people in the party that we shouldn't break the precedent. As much as we love you, Ulysses, we're not going to break the precedent. We're going to look somewhere else. Right. James G. Blaine. you got to anyway, so yeah. let's just go ahead and do it now. That yeah. was the, that let's was pull the, the band-aid off and let's look for somebody new. James G. Blaine was kind of the leading candidate um, going into the convention, but he doesn't get the required delegates to claim the nomination after several ballots. Right. And his his total began declining, and they started looking elsewhere and settled on the reform-minded governor of Ohio, Rutherford B. Hayes. Hayes had been in Congress, uh, again, governor of Ohio. Uh, you know, he was, he was a guy that had been out there, not like a big shining star guy, he hadn't been in really in the executive branch yet. He never held a cabinet post or anything. But uh, he was well thought of. Yeah. He was thought of as honest. He is a Union veteran, um, reveted major general, I think. That's right. Wounded. A wounded combat vet. Which at this point in history, all of them are going to be that. I mean, for the next several elections, you've got Yeah, I mean, anybody back. that missed the war probably isn't going to get traction in the Republican Party. Correct. Um on the other side, of course, Democrats have been out of power now since Andrew Johnson. And it was a pretty pathetic power when they had it. <laughs> because <laughs> it really wasn't. They're yeah. beginning to well, recover. just the presidency. Yeah, that's and, right. And, you know, yeah. presidency with the Congress being controlled by 
Uh, yes. The other side is really, yeah. it's weak, so especially at, at this time. At this point, the Democrats are beginning to recover. They do have the House. They don't have the Senate, but they do have the House going into 1877. And Tilden, again, is very well thought of. He's governor of New York. Uh, again, thought of as a reformer and an honest He's guy. He's the Democratic nominee. Yes, he 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 pretty much cruises to the uh, nomination yeah. uh, for the Dems. And um, again, they are starting to recover. The memory of the war is sort of, it's not in the back seat, but at least sitting in the passenger seat, it's quiet. Well, because Reconstruction has dominated the national consciousness since the war. And uh, that's kind of where this whole thing hinges Right, and on. that's what it ends up really, everybody's kind of wore out on Reconstruction. That's right. So, uh, Tilden and Hayes, uh, of course, they do the classic 19th century campaign through surrogates without really making public appearances on their own behalf and all that kind of thing. So, Tilden wins the popular vote by about 200,000 votes total. But it's very, very close in a lot of places. And when certain states begin to report their results, there are issues. Um, Well, that's unthinkable. Unthinkable. So Louisiana and South Carolina in particular are still states where there is a a military presence, essentially, where, where... where the U.S. military runs the two states almost. Occupied territory. Yeah. You might as well say. So, South Carolina in particular reports like 101% uh, returns. <laughs> so, clearly, something's wrong. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, <throat> yeah, what's going on is that basically they're, they're undermining the elected governments by disenfranchising the freedmen and reporting basically only white, white votes. votes right. right. Essentially. Right. Yes. And so Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina, all three states are in contention. And there's an oddball situation in Oregon, of all places, where Hayes won the state, but one elector has to drop out and gets replaced by a Tilden elector. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly, instead of three votes for Hayes, it's two to one. And so there's uh, basically a mess in front of Congress. Congress decides to get a commission <laughs> established, an electoral commission. And, it, and this is... I mean, this is like, yeah. like not until almost February. Yeah, you know? I yeah, mean, this you, you is think 2000 was bad. <laughs> this you is, know, yeah. At least by Christmas we had it. We had it done. Yeah. So this is this a is, mess. You know, well, it was way, a longer deadline back then. That's right. You know, going all the way because uh, you're March. talking about March, March is the inaugural. March is the inauguration. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> so this is a this is dragging on, but the intention was for the commission to be pretty equal. So it's supposed to be, I think it was five from the House, five from the Senate, and five more that were going to be mostly from the Supreme Court. I think I'm maybe not getting the details of this right. But but the point is, though, that the, the you know, other than, because obviously you don't want anybody from the executive branch, because that's technically only the president and the vice president, but... That's right, um, yeah. Even though, you know, you're talking Grant and his vice president in that case. But, you know, you, you want disinterested parties, so to speak. Even though, technically, there are no disinterested <laughs> Nobody's, parties. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's supposed to be five Supreme Court justices, five people from the House, five people from the Senate. And the idea was to pretty much divide these spots up evenly between the parties and to try to find as impartial a justice from the Supreme Court as kind of the tiebreak spot, number 15. Right. Only the guy that the Democrats were uh, accepting of also got elected to the Senate at the same time and decided to resign his seat 
from the Supreme Court to take up the Senate seat. Right, now, and let's talk about that for a second. That's unheard of in today's... Goes yeah, the other way around now. Yeah, you, right. you would never leave the court to go to the Senate. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, you, but yeah. you might leave the Senate to go to the court. Even that's almost unheard of anymore. Um, I'm the political sure. pressure would be enormous not to do that, unless you were right. an extremely safe, safe, safe uh, state. Yeah, but no, no, there, there's no such thing anymore. Exactly, as, that's right. As not well, even safe. And, I'm just talking about yeah. nonpartisan. Yeah, because be on the court, you need to be you need right. to be nonpartisan. They, 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 That's impossible for a politician anymore. Yeah, and they certainly want the idea of being to get someone who's been involved in jurisprudence, yes. rather than a politician. Right. So that's um, why, as a general rule, I mean, it's very different today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even back then, I think it's a little bit dicey when you think about going from you know Supreme Court to the Senate. I mean, I would much rather see a judge go to the Senate than a senator go to the court. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that. yeah, absolutely. To me, that seems to be because a he brings way his partisanship along with him, right? Yeah, and I'd the, rather, if he's partisan, I'd rather he leave the court yeah. and just get into politics. But, uh, but you know, I think one of the things we need to talk about here, because people are going to think about today's, you know, the last, yeah, you know, three of the last, uh, what is it, since two thousand zero eight four eight, so you know, last six elections, give or take a little, we have had some kind of contested vote in the sense of the yes. guy who's won the popular vote uh, doesn't necessarily get all the electoral votes, uh, what, twice now. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that, <clears throat> from our, we're a very egalitarian fairness, and I use fairness in the real sense, not like, you know, how leftists tend to use it nowadays. Uh, it just sits wrong with us. You know, we mm -hmm. think the guy who gets the most popular vote ought to be the winner. In a perfect world, yes, that would be the case. But now when we look at it in the United States where we've had this happen uh, twice now, 2000 and 2016, right. the votes were extremely close. Uh, we're talking less than 1% for uh, 2000. And in 2016, it was something similar, a couple of percent at most. Here, we're talking a, a nearly 3% difference between the popular vote and, and the electoral vote. Uh, no, uh, between the, the winner of the popular vote and the loser of the popular vote. So even though the, the raw numbers say this is much closer, 200,000 votes, uh, percentage-wise, it's much farther apart because, you know, smaller population. Correct, yeah. So for this to happen, if, if those kind of percentages were applied today, we'd be talking, you know, millions of votes, not just a few hundred thousand. And the uh, electoral vote was much closer here. Yes, and and remember the the whole purpose of the electoral college is you're balancing population. Population. You're you're the founders don't get enough credit for this genius. They are forcing you to win by forming coalitions of different interests. Yeah, you can't just dominate the process by winning California and New York. But aren't we dangerously close to that right now? Oh, that's been a discussion for a long time. Because, I mean, if you think about uh, the way the popular vote has gone, a Republican president has not won the popular vote since 2004. So even though we've had three winners since... You know, three Republican right. winners since 1990. Yeah, because the, the surplus the margin in California is so great. Well, and in New York and in, you know, even Chicago with Illinois, it, it dominates the yeah. rest of the state, in which is words, very red. We have become more urban uh, in, with, with regards to the number of well, souls. Not so much that. Souls. It's that the urban, the very large urban centers have become so dominated by the Democratic Party. Well, they're monolithic. At this point, yes. Well, electoral vote-wise, yes. I mean, it's not exactly uh, the case, uh, but yeah, because there's like uh, there are some places in yeah, Texas I, where it's a little more red. Cincinnati is a little more red than blue. Um, you know, it's it's not. Yes, but most of the urban centers now are had, blue. Are single party. There hasn't been. Uh, well, I mean, even in some place like Louisville, that isn't far left. Uh, there hasn't well, been a, compared there to the rest of Kentucky. Yeah, that's far left. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, I mean, compared to Chicago, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, it's not... Right. San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a place that's even relatively moderate and conservative like Louisville hasn't elected a 
different party mayor since 1972. Right. So, uh, and we haven't had a in the the uh, congressional district here in the third district. You know, we had a very brief Republican uh, representative for what uh, eight years, I think. Yes, yeah, so I think yeah. Ann Northup served four terms. Four terms, so eight right. years, uh, which oddly coincides with Bill Clinton's presidency. Uh, strangely enough, uh, you would think it would go the other way because you know the, that's how that stuff tends to go. But, anyways, um, yeah. So we even, are dangerously yeah. close to that, e- even given yes, because the, of, because of the way the population has concentrated in certain places. Well, and it really, it's harder to put a, together a coalition of diverse interests uh, in in the states because the the interests are hardening. Well, I think it's even not so much that. It's that, because I think if, if, if the way communication worked works uh, today was the same as it was back then, I think we would be more uh, like what the founders envisioned. Because the old adage that all politics is local yeah. doesn't apply as much anymore. Because Very true. Because of there is no such thing as local news. I mean, there is... But I mean, most news is national now, not local. on the political stage. Your local news well, is, even, is your weather. <laughs> yeah, sports and weather is your local news. That's when, right, you, yeah. when you watch, um, you know, the nightly news, uh, you know, at eleven o'clock or the six p.m. or whatever it is, uh, it's going to be some local stuff. You know, somebody gets killed locally. Okay, they're going to cover that. But a lot of that's still going to be national coverage. That's right, because there's not that doesn't happen even in the big cities that much. Right. Well, no, in the big cities it does. Yeah. Chicago, Detroit, Washington, New York, all of those murders constantly happen. To the, to the point where they don't get covered. Unless well, they're sensationalistic. You might make that argument. I, honestly, I, I don't know if that's well, Since the we case. don't live there, I'm kind of spitballing. But exactly. It does. But the point is, though, that the stories that dominate everybody's minds are the, the national stories, unless they're extremely sensational. Somebody gets caught in bed with a live girl or a dead boy. That's going to override national stories. Well, it bleeds out too because right. it's it's going to become national. Well, and Very sometimes pro- it becomes if it reaches a certain point. Uh, well, and our attention span is so short. Uh, right. There's no longer that. any kind of in-depth journalism. True. There's and that's just part of it. yeah. I mean, it. You got to be able to see it on your phone like that. So every report is. J uh, LMPD responding to uh, a body at such and such an address, and then that's the whole story. Right, and then it's really rare to know any more than that. Well, to be fair, since we talk about writing so much, that is the essence of the story. That's right. I mean, it, when we think about because you know, since we like to talk about writing so much, when we talk about what makes a story, if you can s- summarize your story in one sentence, why would you need anything else? Why would yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when we talk about story as far as a creative sense, right. obviously there's more to it. But if that conveys the idea of the story, then it allows you to get a lot more stories into your rotation, which is not necessarily but, but a that bad is thing. A, yeah, but as far as what but the what public gets, wants to know, yes. that's not enough. Well, you know, We want to know what happened, and we want to know... I don't think we do anymore. Actually, you and I do. I think you're exactly you right on that. That's why we that, come that, where we're at. You may be correct. Yeah. I don't think anybody really cares anymore. Because you're... All right, so... That which we've talked about this before, worry. too. The phones, as much as we love these damn things, because they're so useful. You know, I can't imagine trying to go back to, to life without one. You know, I mean, I can because I lived it. But I think, yeah, I'd much rather have one. Um, but it is... It literally it's hard cha- to carry the Encyclopedia Britannica in your pocket. Exactly. And that's essentially what you have. Yeah, and even more than that. Uh, but because you know, studies show that just like pornography, phone usage changes our brain chemistry. That's right. right? And because it changes our, our brain chemistry, we get addicted to the endorphin rush that the phone gives us, that's just right. like with pornography. And the more we can sensationalize things that we look at on our phones then the more we get that endorphin rush, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it, whatever titillates, mm-hmm. and that's what the phone does. That's what social media does, and everything is geared towards that titillation. I don't know whether it's accidental or if it's intentional or just, you know, is it a byproduct or is it, you know, causation versus correlation? Which yeah. one is it? 
They go hand in hand. And because of that, we don't have a society that cares about the in-depth discussion of things. Yeah. And that's so, why everything becomes this umbrella, you know, who's buggering who, and that's about it. And whether it's politically or sexually. <laughs> Did Amber Heard poop in the bed? Right. That's all we care about. Uh, so how did we get here from the election of 1876? I was about exactly the same place here. Anyway. Well, yeah, we got there because, you know, we were talking about the relative differences between 1876 and 2000 and 2016. You know, they were, it was a, as far as scope of yeah. injustice, and I'm using the air quotes there, 1876 is a much bigger injustice. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Now... But it seems clear, though, that at the very least, South Carolina and Louisiana's returns were fraudulent. What was officially reported. Yes. Florida's also very likely. Yes. And that was something else I want to touch on because, you know, just again, to remind modern listeners, it's like, well, how do they separate? You know, what are they, you know, they're beating up the the freedmen and they come to to vote? Well, some places, yes. Yes. But even, even simpler, it's like, oh, that guy used to be a slave. We're going to drop his vote in this ballot box, and we're just going to conveniently yeah. lose that box. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it was back-end yeah. corruption more so than front-end corruption. Right, because there's only so much of that you can do without disrupting everything. That's right. It's but much was, easier to just say, well, yeah. we're just not even going to count his but, vote because we can put it in a separate box. Yeah, especially Florida. But South Carolina and Louisiana had serious yes. election violence. Yes, that's I true. I mean, they, yes. were, they were organized paramilitary groups. KKK. Yeah, and they were keeping the freedmen from voting. Yeah, so they, yeah, there is a lot of that too. Uh, I don't want to minimize you know, Grant, that. Grant had to send like real troops to Louisiana Yeah. To, to really essentially occupy to keep a fraudulent state government from taking power. Louisiana is a mess. Now, South Carolina is a mess. In, was he in Louisiana by Georgia. then? Georgia. Georgia. I, he was. He wasn't. He hadn't gone to Louisiana yet. No, because I know he ends up there, right? He, he ends up back in Georgia. That's where he dies. Right, but he, he spends time as, as a Republican in Louisiana, doesn't he? I, I believe so. Maybe so. I believe you're right. I believe he is part of what what Grant does in sending military force to these places. I think Longstreet gets involved in that. Yeah, but he's not in the military, obviously, but he's... he's. He, I think at some point, yeah. Really? He, I didn't he's think still he was... part of the military, but then I think you're right, there is a civilian era to it as well, yeah, where right, he's like yeah. a commissioner of some sort, or, or some kind of yeah. official yeah, and for I the really Grant bring, administration. Yeah. And I, I really bring right. this in, though, because it just points to you know how tied we are still to the Civil War. It's only 11 years earlier yeah. that right. it ended, so yeah. this is not as settled a thing as... As it is, as it should be, yeah. and certainly as it is today. Yeah, yeah. We consider it settled because we're so far distant from that. Right. But the reality on the ground during the time was, it's a great big whine of, well, if you defeated me in battle, I'm still going to do, I'm going to figure out another way to get what I want, as we've talked about in other yeah. episodes. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, that, that was the core of the issue, the South not accepting the verdict of the war. That's correct. And trying to keep it alive through... Other means, yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically terrorism and guerrilla warfare. And that's, you know, Grant had some success suppressing that, but not completely. Well, it's almost, as we have learned in Afghanistan and Iraq, it's impossible to suppress that. Yeah, I mean, well, it's impossible without going all uh, Colonel Walter E. Kurtz on everybody. Basically, you go in and you just mow them down. Yes, we had to destroy the town to save it. That's exactly, that's, that's, you know, that's, I mean, Apocalypse Now does a great job of explaining that's where this inevitably leads if you really want to win. And even then, it's they lost. But that's exactly right because they lose their humanity along the way. Well, I mean, we lost. Yeah, I mean Vietnam's the one in that ten and one from stripes. You know, well, well, yeah, but, and you're right because in, in, in to go back to that movie, that's what Kurtz has figured out. Saying we're there's only one way we're going to win this, and we have to be as ruthless, brutal, yeah. and brilliant as the enemy is willing to be. Well, but even then, I, I don't think you ultimately win because well, that's uh, correct. That's right. He, uh, he's speaking about 
destroying the enemy, which is kind of what right. we're talking you, about if here. You, unless you kill all of them, that's what he's and that's yeah. what he's after. Is that he he recognizes that uh, that you you can't win this uh, you can't win an uncivilized conflict uh, by using civilized methods. Well, yes, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Well, and I, I would say, and again, I know we're getting rabbit holed here, but um, just because. It's important because we are talking about, you know, this is part of the corruption that causes the issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the country is much better condition than it was in 1876, much less 1865. Right. Right. So, yeah, we are uh, still dealing with those effects at this time. And ultimately it does get, re- it's not 100% resolved, obviously, the, the racial issues in this country, but it ultimately becomes a point where... The vast majority of people, that is no longer an issue through civil methods. But unlike in Vietnam right. or in Afghanistan and uh, uh, Iraq, it's this relatively the same culture. It's the same people that are dealing with this. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in those places where these things fail, it's because, and we talked about it in several episodes, if you don't have the history of what you're trying to impose, it's not going to work. So, anyways, that, 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 I don't want to rabbit hole too much, but I mean, we I, think, I think there's a good spot for a bourbon break. And none of us actually are drinking any this morning. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll, we'll take a break, discuss it briefly, and then we'll, we'll get back on track because there was one more point about the Electoral Commission. Um, so, yes, we are here at the expansive Studio F. Yes, uh, Johnny's game room down the hall from Reed's office. Yes, we next door to the portal to the uh, to the uh, negative zone. Yes, if you hear a flush, don't pay any attention, gentlemen. That's that's Anilus taking his poop, which <laughs> happens here. But uh, yeah, um, he went there. He went. He went. He went. He went to Anilus. Dropping a toilet. Yeah, pinching a loaf. That's right, a negative <laughs> loaf, mind you, because that's how this works. But notice, I'm is pinching a negative loaf taking it back in. Ooh, my God, it's sweet. Uh, uh, oh, whoa, oh. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. We're going to have to go neat for the silly. moment. But you guys have, have no ice? I have ice. Place. You guys want it? Yeah. Well, yes. All right. Yes, you see, because we so Francis is pouring us something. That's uh, right. Most of the time we do this. Just a little spot here. We've already pre-poured everything. But yes. today, and I'm sure you can hear it from my That's voice, me. I'm stepping away from the microphone to actually drop a cube into each of... He's pitching a cube into the... Into, into the, the glass, glass here. A splash. A splash. So this is uh, in here. We're all drinking the same thing because I poured everybody. Yes, thing. thank you. This is the Wild Turkey 101 that we have not used on the show before, gentlemen. It's brand spanking new for us. We've had the regular Wild Turkey. Oh my gosh, he's he's choking over there. He had even drunk it's got yet. A good bouquet. Yeah, absolutely. To borrow the wine term. Uh, wild Turkey 101 versus regular Wild uh, Turkey. Uh, now, the 101 refers to the proof. Proof, that's yes. correct. So, we're talking about a little bit more potency yeah. than what we had previously. Regular Wild Turkey runs about 80 proof. Right. So, it's, it's really, Ooh. it's essentially the same, but not the same. Wow, that is all on the tongue and the, and the upper that's palate. That's why we're asking here, boys. Wow. You know, just a, Oh, just, that's got some good flavor. It does. Um, wild turkey is might. I don't want to say it's our favorite, but it might. It's pretty damn close. It's up there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. my new. Yeah, my new go-to. Uh, this, uh, I'm really liking the old Forester too that we've been yeah. doing lately. Yeah, and we've got several different versions of that, and, we'll, and we might uh, try that one on one of these other episodes. But this is uh, this has got a bite to it, but it is a beautiful bite. Well, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's it's like sharp cheddar as opposed to mild. So it's oh very good. That's a good. That's so a good think of it that way, you know, because we say bite and harsh. Usually, it's you know, you think of rock gut, but that's well, you, not. You think of negative, and it's not meant to be negative. It's just meant. Uh, uh, it's just meant to be like a snip, you know, uh, uh, something. Uh, ooh, what, what? Actually, that yeah. sounded pretty cool on the all on the tongue. That upper palate got a hint of that, uh, like a, like a burst of of. Uh, uh, it's not pain. It's not fire, but you know, in the in the nostrils. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, real quick potency, um, but I get some sweetness on the tongue after that's done. That's the pear, I think, which is one of the things that I have found about wild turkey that is I like so much. I think that pear that they use, which is I think unique to them, uh, I'm probably wrong, but uh, it's well, certainly I mean, they're, they're it's, not adding pear flavor. That's just that's just part of that's it. how it's described again with the pear and vanilla 
is how they describe the regular wild turkey. So you get that in this one, just more of it. You just kind of, it's... We've turned up the volume, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've been doing these higher proof ones here quite a bit lately. Uh, the old Granddad 114 and yeah. uh, a bunch of other 100 proof level stuff. Yeah, that sig uh, Old Forester Signature is 100 proof. Mm -hmm. um, this is... It's interesting. I think the biggest difference between the, the normal 80s and sometimes to the 45s, uh, to the 90 proofs that we get, which is the 45% alcohol, as opposed to the 50% that this would be, or 50.5 technically, um, is that the higher the proof, the sharper the bourbon. Yes. Uh, and that sharpness, that bite, however you want to call it, I think tends to stick with you a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, the, the aging has to be a little different to mellow it back out when you're yes. going higher proof. Mm. So. And, of course, now, you know, as we like to say, the ice uh, to chill it and to help, uh, you know, getting that melt to, to bring out the flavor obviously helps quite a bit. Uh, it, I think it we does. all had, that, had our first drink before the ice had much of a chance to to have an effect. Yeah, <coughs> a melt um, wise, you're correct. But chill wise, not so much. It was very it was very chill. Uh I definitely get the vanilla. Yeah. Uh, once you get let the ice uh, melt a bit and that, that water brings out the flavor, I think the vanilla comes out quite a bit more. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. You know, you cannot go wrong with this. Now, what's the price point on this? Uh, it's just about the same, tw uh, 30 bucks. As a that, lot that's of an ones, impressive $30. Yeah, the one, the one we, keep, we keep rolling at. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of... Yeah. It's, it's only a few bucks it. more than regular wild turkey. That's right. Um, but it's... Uh, it's 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 reasonably priced yeah. and absolutely. I uh, don't know that I would go to this um, very uh, you know, a lot because I like mine uh, probably a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's got a very good flavor. Well, the higher proofs give me a headache, and I don't you know after the fact. I'm not. Well, and, you know that that burn that was in the mouth. I'm just it's starting to very slowly move into the the, the gullet here, so. It definitely sticks with you more than a lot of bourbons. That's exactly right. Uh, so, because a lot of them, you know, you get that in the mouth or the the throat or the sinuses, wherever it is, and that's where it stays. And occasionally, you know, you'll you'll get some in the stomach as it collects there. But uh, it's interesting because I can feel that that movement down the throat and into the stomach, which I find fascinating. Usually, you don't get that as much. So yeah, it's I don't get as much vanilla as with regular wild turkey. The pear flavor is kind of. Did you have ice? Yeah, yes, I dropped one cube at each one. Um, is is kind of amped up a little bit. That's why I like it. There's um, maybe a little oakiness to it. Maybe I think that's where the uh, uh, the sharpness comes from. Is is that oakiness is the the char is where most of that comes from. Um, and you know, combined with the the alcohol content, mm -hmm. I, I, this is my guess. I, I could be speaking totally. I probably am speaking totally at my rear end, but whether or not I'm. I wasn't going to say it, but I guess you can. Yes. Uh, I mean, whether or not my my uh, supposition is correct, I don't know. But that that's my instinct is that the, the char with the alcohol content is what gives you. Yeah, the sharpness. I mean, it's almost almost a grilled meat flavor. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that so, is a weird one. So, uh, when you think about like the what they call it, burnt ends. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. It, you, barbecue, you, it's, it, it's, it's got that almost smoke, almost kind of barbecue flavor. A little char, a little charcoal-y, but in a pleasant way. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... It's not like charcoal there's, off the ground. Yeah. It's, you know, you're not chewing on a briquette. You're talking about something that has had smoke uh, yeah. in it. So, it's... Um, not medicine-y at all. No. no. Not medicine-y at all. That, that is the death knell. Yeah, no no toothpaste. Nothing like that in it. No no mint. This is not a... I mean, this is definitely a sipping bourbon. This is not one you should uh, be tossing back like it's uh, like they do in movies. I always right. cringe whenever I see somebody... Yes, but you sipped your way through that. Because he didn't put a whole lot in our... In our, in our yeah, it was, yes, uh, listeners, uh, Francis poured just a small spot for yeah. us. And, of course, you know, Martin has already uh, consumed it. Consumed yeah. Trying to get that, that... Ooh, trying to get all that flavor out of there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a sipping bourbon, but it is... Uh, but it's not one that I think... Uh, um, 
I don't know. I, it's, I like it, but I probably would put this in my <coughs> my second level of. It's kind of yeah, the second tier. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily quality. Just you know, when I think of my my first level go tos. This would be the second level. Yeah. Or if I'm looking for that change of pace. Yeah. Like that Devil's Cut. To me, that's one of my change of pace bourbons. Right. This would be one of my change of pace bourbons. Yeah, I mean, right now, I'm kind of my top tier is regular wild turkey and the Green River. Mm -hmm. I ended up really liking that Green River because it really, I like that licorice taste that I got from it. Yeah. Because oh, it was just true. so different. I, well, different is true, but yeah. I was not. Uh, the, I'm not a licorice fan, so that's one reason. No, yeah, I can't remember. Green I don't River, think I. I can't remember how no, much I liked it. It, was, it faded very quickly for me, whereas Wild Turkey has stuck with me. And well, you know, the thing I do true. like about this is often we find with some bourbons there's an oily texture to them. Yeah, this there is none, none of that, that with this, this one, which I like quite a bit because yeah. sometimes that oiliness overpowers the flavor. Yeah, and. Which tends often to happen with the the, the medicine -y ones, but not yep. always. Sometimes the ones that have you know what we would consider good flavor, the oiliness overrides it. Yeah. Which I like that this does not even have any hint of that. Yeah, and I think the right on the heels of those two is that 1920 prohibition. It is yeah, that one. The, that that one there is that's that's fierce fire water for me. Yeah, it's it's heavy. For me, my first tier it obviously was, it is was always super that. good flavor. It was. Yeah. Oh, I oh, not oh, yeah. that at all. It's just powerful. Exactly, and, and that's what, that this expect. is where this is to me. You know, good flavor, but so strong that it's it's just not one that I'm going to to go to that as often. Um, you know, I I'm at the point where I like that. Uh, you know, the the uh, old forester, the Basil Hayden. The, the Woodford, uh, the Double Oak, uh, to me, because those are great combination of smoothness mm -hmm. plus the flavor. And it, it's it's a tricky balance. And it really is. Anyways. Cool. All right. So here's the, here's the scoop on the Electoral Commission. Again, it's five people from the House, five people from the Senate, five people from the Supreme Court. And, right. and you know, before we do that, I don't even think we've laid out, how do we get to this point? So... We said there's a two two hundred thousand vote difference. So we've got well because the returns from Florida, South Carolina, Louisiana are contested. Plus, there's an issue with an elector from Oregon. So no one has reached the level in the need. electoral count level they need to get to. Exactly. That's why I want Hayes, to go to. So. Hayes trails. Yes. Tilden's in lead, but even Tilden doesn't get there. So it's thrown to the Congress. Congress can't settle it. They don't know what to do. So they appoint this 15-member commission in January, and they're trying to even it out. I mean, they're legitimately trying to make it fair right. and even it out between Democrats well, and Republicans. I think they understand that you've got to have a clear-cut winner. Right. Caesar must be undoubted Caesar, as they so, say. So yes. from the Supreme Court, they selected Justice David Davis. And he was seen as very impartial. However, Democrats in Illinois elected him to the Senate, hoping to influence him. You know, hey, we've picked you for the Senate. You're going to vote for our guy, right? Right. Now, this is a time when, because people are not going to remember this, this it, is a time when the states at the government level, not the people level, selected right. who was going the, to be senator. Democrats in the... Uh, state Illinois yeah. State Legislature, yeah. the Illinois Senate, basically picked him. Yes. So but yeah, this is not he was voted in. He didn't yeah. run for office. Yes. It's an appointed office. Yes. So he all of a sudden then decides, I'm going to resign from the commission end of it, take up my Senate seat, and leave that spot vacant. Well, now there's nobody left from the Supreme Court that's really seen as impartial. So the next guy up is Joseph P. Bradley. He's seen as the most impartial remaining member, but he's still he's a Republican. Yeah. So basically, what happens then is on eight seven votes, they accept the Hayes returns from all the disputed states, rather than the Tilden returns. That gives Hayes a one point. Or a one vote, right? It's win. the smallest margin of victory. Yes, one eighty-five, one eighty-four to the electoral college. So, what then happens is, 
you know, a little closed door, you know, a little back slapping. Again, despite their differences, they're all pretty much the same kind of person. Yeah. So they get together in Congress and for a pledge of withdrawing the military occupation from Louisiana and South Carolina and essentially ending Reconstruction, Democrats go along with the result. Right. Basically, it's tit for tat, quid pro quo. They get what they wanted anyway. That's right. What they thought Tilden would do in Reconstruction, they get anyway, and they're fine with letting... Right, because realistically, at this point in time, the party structure at the national level, who's president, who makes up the Senate and the House, doesn't really matter as much to the man on the ground. No. At the state, you know, you go about your life, they do not affect much of what goes on. It's not like it is today. So, and there were a lot of a lot of things that were alike about Tilden and Hay. Yes, they were. Yeah, the parties are not. Once you get the issue of slavery out of the way, which it is. Yeah. At the national level, there's not really going to be a whole lot of difference. The, the other big difference was money. Yes, that is the big issue. Coining that's of up. Uh, yes. coining of silver and stabilizing the economy. Yes, there and, is a third party that actually ran. Um, it's called the Greenback Party, and pulled enough votes in one state that. Yes. That hurt Tilden. Yes. In one state. They so that's Tilden part of the issue here. Yeah, if yeah. they had not been involved, Hayes would have would have done much better. But it's it's the hard money guys. It's um, gold back or, right. or gold backing the currency. And Tilden and Hayes are both gold guys, yes. hard money guys, and are not really in favor of a lot of coinage of silver. Coinage of silver is seen as something that would help rural areas um, pay debts and things like that because it's, you know, silver it does not cost as much. Right, it's much lower. Hayes, ounce yeah, value. Hayes felt that silver coinage would be inflationary and would hurt manufacturers. Yeah. So you know, they, well, they're both they're both one they're both guys that are going to want to stabilize the economy in the same way. So again, there's not a ton of difference here. So once the Democrats got what they wanted with an end of Reconstruction and an end of military occupation uh, of Louisiana and South Carolina, they were like, eh, sure. Right. We can go back to, you know, oppressing everybody that doesn't look like us is essentially what they're looking for. Well, exactly. Right. That's why right. they want it. It's, yes. Yeah, because, right. you know, let, it, let us, uh, let the uh, fox run the hen house for a while, as it were. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, that is very much it, that they, they are now back in control of every state government Right, it is at this point where... And they can, they start basically, you know, the next hundred years of suppressing minorities. Right, it is around this time when, you know, there's no more African Americans, blacks, whatever you want to call them, freedmen, because whatever the term is at the time. Yeah. They no longer are elected from the South. Because you got to remember, for that first ten years, you see a lot of black men go to Congress. Because, you know, the, the, the white men are not voting, or if they are voting... They're being outnumbered because there's more freedmen in some of these states than there are right. white men. Yeah, especially in congressional districts. Yeah, so you know it, it can very so it very much influence some of that. But now once that's done, that's impossible. That's yeah, not going. That's all gone. Yeah, that's all gone. Yeah. So, and you know because of this controversy, Hayes is not well thought of. But yeah, really, one termer, right? Yeah, he well he pledged to only run the one term. He basically said, as part of the deal, I'll just do one term. But he's actually a very decent guy. Yeah. Um, he is seen as just kind of this honest guy. But he was a little bit like Grant. He was kind of taken advantage of by some, you know, sharp factions. Mm-hmm. He's Grant 2.0 or Grant Light, one might say. Yeah. And you're, well, you're running up on this notion of there needs to be civil service reform. He's making an attempt at that, but he doesn't quite have the juice to carry it all the way through. Um, and again, this is the emergence of guys like Roscoe Conkling in New York that control the uh, the Custom House in New York. New York's the busiest port in the country, probably in the world, short of London, maybe. Um, so what's coming through New York generates a crap ton of money yeah. and... Again, people—the more people you can stuff into these cush jobs 
at the uh, port of New York as collectors, you know, that's that many more, you know, patronage things that you have. Uh, you know, Chester Arthur is, he's the big dog daddy of the port of New York. Um, so he just doesn't quite have the juice to carry through the civil service reform like he wants. Well, I think part of my problem is how he got to be the Republican nominee to begin with. Yeah. You know, I mean, he on the very first ballot, he got 61 votes. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Blaine's 285. Blaine tops out at 351 on the seventh ballot, yet he still doesn't win. He is the clear-cut plurality favorite. Yeah. And yet he still can't. Yeah, you can't you can't carry it. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, Blaine and is would one the party of those, have been better with Blaine? Probably. Blaine's one of those figures in history that, um, uh, you know, he's he's kind of that guy that really we got to vote for Blaine. Yeah. Are you sure there's not a, 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 a an acceptable someone else? Because he runs many times. Right. He loses the nomination several times. He wins it one time. He's like Douglas. You know, or, he loses uh, uh, Adelaide Stevenson. Stevenson. And, and stuff like that. Um, who's the guy in the 20s that was running constantly? Uh, yeah, because there's three guys. Douglas in the in the 1800s. He runs multiple times for things. Yeah. Smith. No, not Smith. Uh, well, it's Adelaide in the Stevenson. Early 20, like um, in the 18, 1920s. Uh, Shoot, I forget who it is, but he runs like multiple times and loses every single time. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I will. He was the, he it. was the lawyer in the uh, Clarence Darrow trial. Oh, you talking about William Jennings Bryan? Jennings Bryan, yes, okay, that, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blaine's only nominated one time um, and loses, but it, it, he's he's involved uh, and he has a lot of fans, but he's just not acceptable to the reform-minded elements of the party and so he just never or just most of the time he just doesn't have the juice to get over the top for the nomination when there's other people out there uh, again he loses the nomination the next time to uh, Garfield that's right and Garfield's another Ohio combat vet very much like Hayes very reform minded honest guy yeah the power because of the Civil War the power has shifted from Virginia, because uh, you look at the first presidents you know, up through the Civil War, Virginia dominates politics. And now that, you know, because Virginia is one of the Confederate states, nobody comes out of Virginia anymore. Yeah. So yeah. the power has shifted to the Midwest. So. Yeah, yeah, it's very much the juices has moved west and settled in Ohio again. Not just Hayes, but then Garfield, McKinley, um, John well, Sherman has his Midwest roots. Yeah, oh, uh, John Sherman uh, never makes it to president, but is a very influential and powerful well, yeah, senator of, from Ohio. Well, much of Lincoln's cabinet were Ohio guys. You yeah, know, those were the, those were the guys he ran against, Seward and Chase, uh, that he incorporated in. So uh, Ohio is in its ascendancy here, uh, which it would continue for the yeah. next fifty years. Yeah, Warren G. Harding. I forgot about Warren G. Harding's yeah. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the end, again. The South gets really what they want. The end of the military occupation in the South. They can go back to business as usual, um, in their minds, business as usual. And preventing these uh, freedmen, the newly freedmen, from voting from now on. Right. And, and basically any, sharecropping gets instituted. Yeah. And it, it doesn't put them back into slavery, but the conditions are damn near the same. Right. I mean, but they're completely the, disenfranchised, completely excluded from public life. Um, and... You know, the federal government moves on as it had. Again, there's some attempts at the uh, civil service reform. Hayes doesn't quite get there. Well, you also have to remember what else is going on in the country at this time. And again, it's not to say that I'm excusing that the, the basically the federal government, the North, yeah, has said, you know, we're really tired of this stuff. You guys just do whatever the hell you want. The war's over. Slavery, the, to them, the slavery issue has been solved. Yeah. Ah, that's very well put, but that's exactly it. Yes, that's and so right. what happens is... We're talking 1876. What's going on? All eyes have turned to the West. Yes. You know, we have finished the railroad. Yes, very much. And we are trying to conquer the rest of the continent. So what we're busy doing now, instead of uh, trying to, to, you know, to free the slaves, is we are now conquering and and, and, 
dominating uh, for reservationing yeah. yeah the Indians out west. So we have because right. this is the time of the Indian Wars. Yeah, yeah. Basically, so I mean, basically we have. It really sucks because we have we've turned from one disenfranchised group to the other. Instead of freeing one, you know, we freed one. Now we're going to go ahead and you know uh, put our foot. And it's not enslaved, but like I said, we're reservationing them. We are partitioning them into places where basically they are non-entities. That's right. And, and of course, giving them the worst land possible. Right. Oh, a piece of desert. Oh, I think they'd like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, nobody likes All that. while adopting a don't ask, don't tell uh, attitude yes. with regards to the South. Well, yes, because surprisingly enough, the the Indians, the Native Americans, whichever term you wish to use, they were even seen as less than the freedmen, uh, which is surprising. I mean, the savages. Yeah, yes, even more savages. savage than, yeah. what, the, than yeah. what the freedmen were. Yeah, I mean, the freedmen were just viewed as useless. Right. Um Somebody you didn't want participating in civil civic life, but but at least they, they knew their way around what was considered modern society. Well, they knew that. Well, you know, well they, they could serve as servants, right? They um, knew, they were willing to take what they cons- what what the whites considered to be their proper place. They knew their place, whereas the savages they if they fought back, you know, they're they're shooting at us, right? They, they, yeah. Uh, the attitude became extermination. That's exactly it. Yes, yeah. if you will not conform. You and you talk extermin- about Kurtz, you know. That's right. You know, that's where that's, where, that's, it comes that's from. where the attitude eventually would get with with the Native American tribes in the Midwest and the yeah, you will West either, in the Far you, you West. Will either conform and become white in, in attitude, anyway, or we will exterminate you. And they did. Well, both. It's not so much become white as you will conform and submit. That's right. Absolutely. And because that's all that matters. Right. And because the the the, gov- the the dominating force in the country, which you know, the the white government, they didn't even want them to, to conform. Conform wasn't even the issue. Submit meant you just go away. Yeah, this is ours. We want what you, yeah, this is ours now. Which really, you know, on the one hand, you say, well, this is one of the great injustices of of, of history. Well, well, maybe, but you know, it's no different than any other history. When a group comes into, and I'm not excusing, I'm just saying that this is, it's not unique. Well, that's right. Yeah, we've been to this movie a few times before. Well, yes. Whether you want to talk Africa, Asia, or Europe, doesn't matter when some group moves in and takes over. Yeah, it's not just colonialism. Although right. I mean, it's a it, lot. It's, oh, it's, it's happened throughout history, for yeah, sure. It, whether you call it, you know, we think of colonialism, we think it's European-based. That's no. right. No. Well, yeah. It's when anybody comes in and takes over property. It was just simple, it simply else. had greater tools and more sophistication in the 1800s. Yes, and, the ability and it's to, more recent. That's why we think of it. Exactly, but you know, William the Conqueror, you know, in 1066, is essentially the same thing. Yes, and well, the Saxon people suffered yeah, under well, the Roman you know, rule until they until they assimilated. Look at biblical children. times when when Abraham, uh, you know, is granted the the territory that is is. What is now modern day Israel? Yeah. Now, granted, these people don't really take it uh, take over until a few centuries later, but that's still considered their land in their minds. That's right. And they got to kick the Canaanites out when they get there. Oh, that's right. And we won't even talk about it. Joshua. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah, it's, it's by the point of the sp- yeah. So this is a very old story. It is. And to to round this episode out and bring us back into, I would like to think civilization. How the hell do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Maybe there's the question. Well, you know... Uh, Have we gotten beyond it, boys and girls? Yeah. Does human nature change at all? Well, the only reason I say we have not is this. And again, this has nothing to do with the election, but since you asked the question... Yeah, that's kind of where we're dancing around, I think. This is what I'm hearing. Um, we, this will always be an issue. And it's kind of tied to the election because... You know the suppression of the votes and, and that's right. Know, yeah, that's what this uh, oppressing that minority community to make sure that they don't negatively, from the oppressor's standpoint, don't right. negatively impact things. The reason this happens and continues to happen is the lack of two things, and I don't mean just in this country. I mean anywhere humanity is. Right. Whether it's communist China. Putinist Russia, mm-hmm. you know some, uh, you know Rwanda and Burundi, where where genocides go on, doesn't matter. Venezuela, where the haves and the have-nots, you know where the haves are eating the, the now they're the ones eating the zoo animals because that's all that's left, uh, and, and everybody else is starving. Um, it doesn't matter. It's it's a lack of two things. 
One is a common culture, common set of beliefs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because even in the same country, that can happen. You know, we see it here. We see it everywhere. We see it. Whether you want to call that has versus have nots, but it's also that lack of respect for the inherent dignity of the human person. Dig- well, that's, dig- that's kind of where we always land. Back it's, here. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you want to talk about the root of all evil? Uh, apply evil. Very good. Apply evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is that. Where you look at somebody and say, you know what, they are less than me, therefore I should have what they have. Therefore and I, I must use dominate whatever them. means necessary to acquire it. Yes, yes uh, might makes right. Yeah, whether you want to talk about whether it's, you know, uh, land, uh, colonialism type of thing, whether you call it colonialism or just uh, conquering one, you know, one group conquering another, uh, or property. Oh, look. They've got some gold in, in Mexico. I think I'm going to take my galleons over and collect all of it and take it back to Spain. Or if you want to get even very personal, you want to talk about rape, it's the same kind of thing. It is, you are less than me, and I want what you have, whether it's something physical or not. And you know, this election, if you want to tie it back, is an outgrowth of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is because that <clears throat> happened in those three states. Even though there was at least an attempt at fairness here with the commission, it still didn't quite. Right, because there pass. enough of it happened because because those streets ha- states had enough electoral votes that this happened. Now, if they it, if it, it happened, say in a state the size of Rhode Island instead of Florida, wouldn't be an issue. Because there weren't enough of, that wouldn't well, have enough electoral votes. So in other words, the bullies did win. They did get their way. Oh yeah, e- yeah. Even though that wasn't because they they, they, got they didn't way, really give a rat's ass who they won. They got their they way in the sense that they got the end of Reconstruction. That's, right. They got what they wanted. That's they didn't get their really presidential get pick, but they got what he was going to do anyway. That's right. And therein lies, I think, the issue. It was not a partisan issue. It was a power issue. Is it, what's the difference? I mean, realistically, well, I, I agree, the and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's splitting the hair mighty thin, as they say. Yeah, it wasn't a partisan right. issue in the sense that we had to have our candidate. Which is where it would be We had today. to have our issue. Right, our issue. And it was, again, an issue that not enough people objected to otherwise yes. to really prevent. Because, and because, again, everybody else acquiesced to this. Yes. And there was no real outcry. There was yeah. no real public outcry that Reconstruction was ending. Everybody had enough. Yes. It's ten plus years of this, right? Well, it's no different than than we got to get out of Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. We're tired, yeah. and we're not changing anything. And again, that goes back to those two common elements: common belief system, yep. common respect for the human dignity, the inherent dignity of the human person. That was, you know, we have different beliefs than they do in Afghanistan and Iraq. We cannot impose democracy in a place where they don't even understand the concept. We cannot impose respect for all races in a place where they don't even understand the concept. You have to teach them the concept before you can impose it legally to make it really workable. And that's what we, it, it was 100 years later before we could even approach that. Yeah, and the military just really doesn't do that. No. So If, if we get to the point where the military is doing that, we are now in the military dictatorship, which is what you are dangerously close to in the South. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, I mean, the unreconstructed uh, states before their readmission. Essentially, that's what it was. Yeah, the army ran the places, but they had to. They had to. Yes, they had to, because otherwise, it would have just been status quo ante. And you know, and realistically, in effect, if not in fact, that's where we end up. That's where they ended up anyway. Yeah, which so. was probably always going to happen, because unless you moved all of those freedmen. To the north, which the north was going to have absolutely none of, because they're still, you know, they may want them freed, but that doesn't mean they want to live with them. So yeah. I mean, let's let's be realistic. The people in the north were only slightly better than the people in the south. They just weren't actively uh, enslaving anyone. They were okay with bad conditions as long as they weren't legally slaves. They were willing to go so far, but only so far. Right. Well, it's, it was a philosophical issue for the. For those who were abolitionists, yeah, right. as I, well as a moral. To, to their credit, yeah, as a, a leading and, abolitionist, and again, Hayes was a devotee of abolition. Yeah, they a lot of them understood the end game of that. 
Yes. And and were truly for real equality. Right. Absolutely. They, but they, that they, was a very small. Yes. Group, Most people just really. didn't do the work. They wouldn't. They wouldn't think they that far ahead. Right. Exactly. They did not take that to its conclusion of. Okay, well, abolition doesn't just mean an end of slavery. It means we must live together yes, and respect one another. Yes. God save us from the weak-minded boys and girls. You know, well, we're over in an hour now. Yep, you and you said we couldn't do uh, a, a, very much on this. It'll be a quick episode. Martin always says that, and we always go an hour. That's right. So, gentlemen, uh, before we adjourn this episode, there's uh, a small matter that we did not cover. Oh, yes. During the, bourbon during the bourbon break. Yes. So, I would like to do it now. Uh, listeners, as we record just this moment, um, just this week, just we a couple have, of days ago now. We have heard of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II of, of the United Kingdom. And uh, if you're a longtime listener, you know that going all the way back to episode 15. Yeah. Was it that long ago? Yes. It yes, was. It was very early. 15, wow. September 6, 2019, uh, we did our episode on... Queen Her Elizabeth Majesty. II. That's right. Give the old gal a break. So we were, uh, we were fans. Again... The what she meant to post-war Britain, I think you're going to have to have some time before yes. anybody writes about this. But I, I think her just the way she carried herself, the way she took on the responsibilities uh, of the monarchy, really unified Britain. Again, she she worked as a truck mechanic during the war, right. You know, she did not see herself as like this. I'm so much better than all of you. I'm I'm queen. I have a job to do. I'm going to do it, and I'm Duty going to stay out of very important. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, I saw a quote. The statements from Charles have all been about how much she respected the duty of yes. of the position. This is show you. She was also a woman of great faith, and I love this quote. I'd never seen it before. Um. She said to someone, I forget who it was, because that wasn't the point. It was what she said. She said, I so wish that Christ would come back in my lifetime. Somebody asked her why. She said, so I could lay my crown at his feet. To me, that speaks volumes of not just her faith, but how she understood the crown. That's correct. Yes, beholden to a greater power than yes. themselves. She did not view herself as an absolute... Obviously, she can't because she couldn't because she didn't have that power. Uh, and what power she did have, she didn't really even attempt to exercise. I mean, she, there were things that any monarch could still do, but they don't because it probably would be ignored and you'd end up having some, a real crisis. Yeah, and, I mean, it would be a British constitutional crisis. Yeah, so, so we don't want that. But, you know, it, it showed that she saw her duties as monarch with a proper perspective. She had two she was supposed to serve, obviously God and her people. Okay, and unfortunately, I, the serving God part, you know, people, you, you never really got to see that because I don't know where you get the opportunity. Yeah, right. Yeah. But that quote just spoke volumes to me of the great faith she must have had. She was a unifying, they called her the glue that kept the country together through, you know, 70 years almost, of 70 years of change. Uh, and that continuity is what, and stability is what people keep coming back to in the media, and I'm sure they will continue to do so on that. And that's one of the great advantages of that system. Uh, even though power changes as, as it's necessary, at least when people are at each other's throats on either side of the political aisle, you've got somebody in charge, titularly so, but nevertheless, that you can believe in. It never allows that mutual destruction, politically speaking, of each other. Yeah. And that is a, that is a wisdom our, of, the, of that system, I think. Yeah. Our institutions in this country used to hold that place. Uh, whereas there, it's personified. I mean, it's an institution in that it's the crown. Yeah. But it's personified in whoever wears the crown. Because uh, yeah, there's here, always a, it's always a, a, a circuit breaker. That if one side or another takes too much power and gets too mean, you could be called to Buckingham Palace and told, serve my people, Prime Minister. You know, or whatever. Yeah, and that still held great weight. That's correct, very much so. That's because uh, she. It's going to be interesting her... to see what Charles does, and as whether we... or not he, because he's not a popular figure, uh, generally speaking. Now he's going to get a lot of sympathy because his mom just died. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Brits, they, t- you know, traditionally, they rally behind their monarchs. Right. But, you know, he's got a lot of baggage. Uh, he does, but he's also been around so long, and he's such a well-known quantity. I suspect they'll rally around him well. Well, yes, Assuming but he for cont- how long? See, that's the thing. Yeah, and that's if he if he continues to chart the course that his mother charted uh, of moderation and service and duty, I think you'll find that he'll probably do just fine. That yeah. seems to be what the British people want. And honestly, it's, I think that's going to be tough for him, honestly. Yeah. I think he's going to try to jab himself into politics more than she did and that is even if it's just everybody's asking you know just uh, kind of rubbing on the prime minister hey how come we're not doing x right you know it's like well your majesty right now in uh, parliament there's no you know there's no juice for that well Well, with a new parliament and a new prime minister too i mean my lord it was what two days I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. it's very, yeah. very much the last official act she did was to ask the new uh, uh, leader of the party to, to form a new government. That's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So essentially this is Charles's prime minister for all intents and purposes. Uh, and the two of them have, have the opportunity. Uh, and yeah, you want to talk about an opportunity for a clean break? That's right. I mean, it could be. I mean, I, we could go on and on about this, but it's going to be interesting to see how this yeah. plays out in the coming years because... He's only going to be king for so long. I don't see him living to be as long as his mom, because that's just it. Just rarely happens. He might. Yeah, that's he right. might. So he could be king for another thirty years. Could be because he's what sixty six now, right? Yes. Right. So and she died at ninety six. So he could be king for thirty years. In which case, William will become king approximately the same age he is, uh, which you know is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how. Yeah, goes. I mean, I, I think people that were thinking that this is going to be a short kingship, well. Yeah, it's not going to be seventy years, but it's it's not going to be two years, right? I mean, he's, he's unless he to, were to suddenly die, this is probably a twenty-year. Yeah, I, I, I think for sure we'll, he, we'll see. He will to 20 surpass years. the com, the comparison that's often given with Victoria's eldest son, Edward. Ed, yes. Edward, that's correct. Who reigned for about ten years and had his own period. He was see the Edwardian period is very specific, but it was still kind of low. Whereas you know it was short, right? And he was in poor health as a lifelong smoker mm-hmm. and yeah. overweight. But you know, even and everything. Victoria in England, she was queen for so long. But you know, after her husband died, she was not a huge figure in the same way that Elizabeth has been. That's correct. That's yeah. right. In, in fact, so, uh, she so by her hands-off approach set the tone for many after that. Yes. It took a while for that to to change and work its way up. But. We're, we're, we could go on and on, but we want to finish. To the Queen, gentlemen, to yes. the Queen. We got to, uh, may she rest in peace and God save the King, King Charlie. Gnarly Charlie. Gnarly Charlie, yeah. All right, so what is next time, sir? Real quick. Oh, my quick. God. We're going back to Code of Honor, but we're going to do the hardest of our philosophers, gentlemen. We're going to do Immanuel Kant. Uh, we're going to what was, get, what was that? Yeah, no, what? Uh, cough, cough, cough. Kant. 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 Not Kant. Oh, no, I was thinking no, another there's, word. There, there's another word there. Oh, no, you did a good that, pronunciation. So I, I would think so. Let, yeah, we, we, we all pledge to make sure to get that right in the next two episodes yes. as we delve a little bit deeper into... Yes, we don't ever want to get to the point where we say Emmanuel Kant was a... Yeah, that's right. Uh, we want to be able to make sure that we recognize in many people's eyes the most important of the Enlightenment philosophers. If you had to have only one, it's usually Kant that comes to the top of the list. And we're going to talk about it. So join us next time, folks. You're going to enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.